I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. The only time the burrs of grinding metal sound delightful is when coffee beans are passing through them. And that's the siren call for thousands of coffee experts who've descended on Boston this week for the annual meeting of the Specialty Coffee Association of America. Baristas, growers, buyers, and coffee enthusiasts from around the globe have gathered to hear talks, see demonstrations, and try to not get too buzzed. One of the speakers this year is Mary White. She's the author of Coffee Life in Japan. And as the title suggests, White's area of expertise is the Japanese obsession with coffee. I always thought tea was a caffeinated drink of choice in Japan and that coffee is relatively new. Boy, was I wrong. Mary White met me at her favorite cafe in Cambridge, Massachusetts to experience a cup of Japanese-style coffee and set me straight on Japanese coffee rituals, including what's called the pour-over technique. top of the spout in Japan would be pinched even finer than that. Wow. So the drizzle would be really, really thin. And what's the point? Because then you can control where you place the water over the grounds and you can get every little tiny bit. They also say that when you're pouring it, you should leave a wall of grounds around the outside so you, your water doesn't actually touch the filter. Wow. You know, there's so much talk about coffee in Japan. Uh, There is a whole field of coffee history, so I met many coffee historians who could give me the lore on the first arrivals of coffee to Japan. Should we we take our coffee, sit down and talk about that history? So, I mean, the history is pretty fascinating. I I was in Japan a couple of years ago, and almost immediately somebody took me to a Starbucks, and I was like, oh, so the Japanese are kind of caught on to this Italian Seattle coffee thing, but... It goes back to the 1700s and Japan's own relationship with Brazil. It's got nothing to do with the West. It came to Japan about the same time it came to Europe with Portuguese missionaries and traders in the 1500s. The Japanese who they met weren't very keen. They thought it was medicinal and indeed used it as medicine. The Portuguese who brought you know, Christianity to Japan were in the early 1600s sent back because the shoguns thought that perhaps there was too much influence from outside. But at the same time, they were letting Dutch traders in. And Dutch traders were allowed to live on a tiny man-made island outside Nagasaki in the harbor. And the first recorded people to appreciate coffee for fun were the prostitutes of Nagasaki because they saw... Well, not only was this a nice drink, but it would keep them alert so customers couldn't cheat them by running off while they were sleeping and not paying them. Mary, how did you get into this whole Japanese coffee culture in the first place? When I was very young indeed, I went to Japan. A friend who was living in Japan picked me up in his, I think it was a 1949 Pontiac, and drove me through the dark night to a cafe. It was like one in the morning. You get to the door of this cafe. The first thing they tell you in very kind tones was take off all your clothes. Take off all your clothes. All your clothes. Down your birthday suit. Birthday suit. We all did what, what was required. And they painted our bodies with big, soft calligraphy brushes, a brilliant blue. And then they pressed our bodies against white sheets hanging on the walls. And this is all part of some uh, ancient Japanese coffee ritual, or That's this is the 60s? That's what I thought. It, you know. <laughs> and then they allow us to shower in the back alley. There's a nice shower. 
and um, put our clothes back on, and then they give us a cup of coffee. I really can't remember how it tasted. It was, <laughs> but it was only like 30 years later that I found out by going to the Pompidou in, in Paris that I had been present at a retro, what do you call it, homage to a French artist named Yves Klein who had done this in Paris. And that was my first coffee experience in Japan. I mean, Mary, you, you, you've spent a lot of time in Japan. There seems to be kind of like where we are right now at this coffee shop in, in Cambridge, Dwell Time. We're having this kind of very private moment, but it's in this public space. I mean, is, is that facet to understanding what coffee culture in Japan is all about? Coffee isn't only the drink itself, it's the place you drink it. There are cafes where a particular interest can be served, like people who are interested in manga, comic books. There's one in Tokyo which I love, which is about trains. So train hobbyists go there. There's some kind of doubtful cafes, you know, like the No Pants Cafe. Businessmen after work who aren't going to the bars might go to a No Pants Cafe where the floor is a mirror and the hostesses do not wear pants underneath their outfits. <laughs> Never mind. I once went to a classical music cafe. I mean, talk about fetishistic. You walk in and it's a wonderful room and big comfy sofas all facing forward as if they were in a concert hall. Then you go in and you order your coffee quietly by pointing to the menu. You order your music too. You can say, I want Mendelssohn's octet in E minor. And this place is still functioning today? Oh yeah, there are lots of It's so smart. It's more about being there in that space and less about bringing, you know, what you need to do to it. Mary, thank you so much. Thank you, that was really fun to talk about coffee with you. <laughs>